My name is Jonathan Ricci, and you are listening to the F1 Podcast. What's up, everyone? It is Ricci here from the F1 Podcast. Happy Tuesday, November 7th. And we are recording this a few days after the Brazilian Grand Prix. And I'm here with Andrew Cleary. Andrew, my man, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. How are you? It's kind of an exciting week because, A, we get to celebrate you on Saturday. So I get to see you on Saturday. Going to be visiting London. Laurie is playing Western in football for the Yates Cup Finals. So I'm mm. going to be there beforehand with a couple of friends. And then we get to celebrate your engagement party that Saturday. So we're really excited about that. No, it's going to be a great night, a lot of fun, a lot of friends, a lot of food, a lot of drinks. It'll be a uh, time to remember. Just so excited to come back to and obviously see you again. We had a lot of fun at uh, Trinity Common a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, which race was that? Uh, the U uh, that was the U.S.? No, no, no that was the yes. USGP. Yeah, well, yeah, it was the USGP, yeah. <laughs> so we normally are really good about recording episodes, but last week we did have some conflicting schedules. Some of us did get sick, so unfortunately we weren't able to provide a proper in-depth review of the 2023 Mexican Grand Prix. But Andrew wants to do a quick I'll update. do like the two-minute review of it. So yeah, Andrew wants to do a quick two-minute update uh, on this. So, so I'll turn it over to him. <laughs> Basically, Mexico Grand Prix, best, like most chaotic fans, one of the most chaotic fan bases, one of the worst tracks around. And it clearly showed that weekend because not much action happened other than a crash between um i believe it was Perez uh, and leclerc yeah yeah or magnuson too got in collision there was collision damage from russell or from stroll and alonzo had a terrible weekend at aston martin but danny rick had an incredible weekend finishing p starting in p4 which was ahead of sergio perez which made another case as to what <laughs> as to why maybe he's not fit for the second seat at red bull and then what really, what really dogged the race was unfortunately Perez crashing out lap one, right? Having the collision damage on lap one kind of, kind of cemented, unfortunately, the end of his race. And it was tough to watch afterwards because Checo was in a good position, potentially when on the first, especially on the first turn, he had a chance to overtake Leclerc and Verstappen to get into P1, but I uh, got a little too greedy on the outside, clipped Leclerc from there. Leclerc didn't have any damage, but Perez did. He ended up going out. But as you can tell, Max Verstappen set the record for most wins in a season at the time with 16 in Mexico, which was uh, beating his previous record of last year, 15, followed by Lewis Hamilton, P2, Charles Leclerc, P3, and Carl Sainz, P4. So good weekend for Ferrari. And then, you know, Landon Norris, P5, round up the top five. But as we're going to talk about this weekend, some of these people that are in the top five did not have or even top six with George Russell, did not have a good weekend. The only thing that was really exciting was that crash in turn one. I was curious to see if Sergio Perez was going to blame Leclerc, but he kind of took it on himself. Well, that the it was fans okay. did enough of that. <laughs> Just boot his ass the entire way on the podium. And he's like sticking up, having to defend himself on the podium. Be like, guys, I didn't have anywhere to go. They don't give a shit, Charles. <laughs> They're going to boot you no matter what. Interesting perspective on, on there. And so then we kind of start moving towards Brazil. Erica made this comment a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, we haven't really had a silly season this year in terms of like driver gossip. But after the weekend's crash, I don't know about you, Mr. Austin Martin over there, but is Fernando Alonso actually going to go to Red Bull? Uh, he yeah. was out for blood this weekend, whoever spread that rumor. You can't have silly season without Helmut Marco running his mouth at Red Bull. It was going to be, it wouldn't be the same. It just would not be the same. 
So, of course, Alonso has dismissed speculation like he had to move from Aston Martin to Red Bull. But from what I understood, it would have been insane. The situation of events would have unfolded would have been that um, Lance Stroll or Lawrence Stroll, basically after last week, after Mexico, was pretty much just going to sell the team. He was going to sell the team away, meaning that Lance would not have a seat anymore in F1 as a paid driver and likely no one would take him as well. Right. At, you know, all things considered at that time. Fernando Alonso would have moved to Aston Martin. Liam Lawson would have filled Yuki Sonoda's seat in at AlphaTauri with Danny Rick. And then you would have had Sonoda and Perez move to Aston Martin to fill the seats. This is just a wild chain of events when you think about it in context. But apparently those are rumors. But we've heard those rumors happen before and seen silly stuff like that happen. So I, I believe there could be some merit to it. But the other do you remember when it was when Sebastian Vettel? I don't know which uh, podcast or whatever he said. He's like, the only time I'll get Instagram or social media is when I retire, and then the minute he downloads Instagram, and then he announces retirement. Yeah, Fernando Alonso dismissed speculation linking him with a move from Austin Martin to Red Bull, and has promised consequences for those behind the rumors. Uh, quote, these rumors are the normal paddock rumors from people that they're just trying to make fun of and gain some followers and this kind of thing. But I'm not into that game. And I don't know if why all the attention just recently came to him. Um, I know Alonso finished on the podium the first uh, six of the, his eight races and the team's form fell dramatically. And I don't know if someone's just like, oh, maybe you should go somewhere else. But yeah, I just kind of was hoping for something fun leading up to Friday, but I guess let's kind of jump into qualifying unless you have anything else to comment there. Could it happen very well? So, but there's no, there was no real substance behind the rumors. It was kind of like a pipe dream thought. I think someone just kind of threw in the, threw it in the F1 silly season algorithm and just figured out what it could spit out. And then boom, that was the rumor and uh, people made wind of it. So who knows at this point, would I blame him for leaving if he did? No. Because that Martin, after the first like five, six races, have been an absolute shit show. <laughs> and he's put that car in absolute positions where it should nowhere be. Now we're going into Friday. We have quite a turnaround weekend if I do so say my do say so myself. And can we just take in like how impressive that they were able to get pretty much all of qualifying done before the storm just kind of dropped? You see uh, that storm? I it, it, it ripped off scaffolding <laughs> off the tents. Yeah, it, it, was, it was. I think it was on Instagram or TikTok or something, and just literally, boom, gone. You can see how dark the cloud. It was kind of cool in the last lap in Q3 when Verstappen was finishing his lap. You could just see the clouds roll in, and it literally looked like it was nighttime there. And that's that's the fun part about Brazil, right? This race has got everything. It, you know, for the past few years, it's just had like everything um, in terms of like crazy weather, um, followed by. You know, really competitive racing, but uh, Friday was a really great opportunity for, you know, um, I would say teams to, I guess, take advantage of the sprint weekend, potentially, uh, with regards to how they qualified. I know that um, the rain did cause a red flag in Q3 for, it was like, for the remaining four minutes, and you're kind of like thinking, why would it cancel? Like, why would you for four minutes? And then you saw the rain roll through, you're like, oh yeah, there's no way they're going on track to even set a time remotely close to what the what, what their soft time was going to be on Q3. Even if they put on like a wet or an intermediate tire, like it would have made no freaking sense. So it's just like you just like kind of disband there. Um, but I, I, let's just talk about some, you know, there might have been some bad races uh, for Austin Martin, but Lance Stroll found himself in third ahead of his teammate, 
Fernando Alonso. And I think that was Stroll's highest starting position since 2020's Turkish Grand Prix, where he took the took pole position. I think I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe how after having such a terrible weekend in Mexico, that this team was all of a sudden been able to turn it around and find and have Stroll find P3 and P and Alonso P5 out of their back pocket like that. It was just it was a breath of fresh air. Let's say as an Aston Martin fan, that's for sure. Yeah, on that perspective, like even Oscar Piastri was not able to set a time because his car slipped off into the grass because as the weather just became unbearable. Penalties rewarded for, okay, just started the wor- the weekend for Mercedes. Russell got a penalty uh, for blocking the pit exit in Q1, each driver, and then Esteban Alcon and Pierre Gasly as well. Uh, I can't, I just can't, I can't, I still can't get over that grandstand collapsing, but let's kind of go into like the sprint. Cause I'm just, I don't know about you, Andrew. I'm happy the sprint races are over. I'm tired with them. It's such a total said total made a good point about this. When he got interviewed is that there's just no continuity between the weekends, but like, like what's the freaking purpose of a sprint format? All it is is for eight points and they're doing a lot of work, like up to eight total, eight, eight, points for the first place driver right that's just so much there's so much work with like a sprint qualifying format and then a sprint race i think the race is a good idea if you kind of do a um let's say like a you know reverse grid opportunity i think that would be quite interesting because a lot i find a lot of it's fun when um even lewis said he's his favorite sprint moments have been in brazil when he had to start at the back there in 2021 and he made up like 15 places in the sprint race right it's just a whole different strategy when you do a reverse grid that, but the way that they have it situated out right now, there's no continuity between the weekends. It's just another showcase, another way for Liberty Media to make their money. You and lose. I think when you had like three sprint races and four like Grand Prix weekends, it's just so much getting shoved down your throat that it's it's quite sickening. Oh, don't worry. We'll talk about Liberty Media uh, when we talk about Vegas preview. But before we kind of get, that's not till later in the episode. Uh, I, I think for also, one of the things that I just didn't, don't really like, I think just because the tire allocation is, plays even a bigger factor into that weekend. So if you can only use X amount of tires and then now you have to throw a sprint into it, it kind of just throw off your Sunday strategy. And is it even worth like that eight points? And for I mean, Max Verstappen has won, I think seven sprint races in his career already. Um, I know Lando topped this timing sheets, giving him pole position, but it was like, okay, like how long was he going to hold that until Max was going to capture him? Yeah, um, to be fair, Checo had a good sprint sprint race, starting in P, like qualifying P3 and then finishing P3, which is f- his first podium finish in a race since Monza. And, and that's and a I, long time ago. <laughs> and I and I think there's been a lot, and we talk, we've been talking about this, how much. Pre- that's been going on to him especially with the recent dominance of lewis hamilton and him coming back and making that gap closer for p2 in the drivers championship um this was definitely a weekend where he really needed some motivation he needed to prove himself um just you know maybe to shut up helmet marco or some of the the haters out there and um i i think yeah especially the the response in the sprint race and we can kind of talk about sunday's race but um, it, it definitely brought into like I think David Geffen definitely gave him a little bit more of a boost uh, going into it. But uh, sorry, I'll, I'll let you speak. My bad. No, I was going to say too that um, with regards to the sprint race, we had some good, we had some great quality racing though, especially that towards the end when uh, Danny Rick was fighting Carlos for that last point, and you know Science did beat him by like two tenths there 
end of the line, kind of like a preview for what was to come on Sunday. Uh, but shout out to Yuki Sonoda. He got P6 for three points then for AlphaTari. Now having now every team has now won points in the sprint format. So maybe it is doing his job in that regards. Um, but I think it, just the way that they have it formatted correct, formatted currently is not correct. AlphaTari finally getting points. I mean, they finally got points in Mexico that really got them to jump. Leclerc, you lose. It starts P two, and then two. It's not. His, it was not his fault. So there, there was a massive issue with the engine. Um, it basically was at a point where there was an abnormal value in one of the electric sensors, and to the point where like the safety feature shut off the whole the the entire engine while he was like in turn five. If the safety feature was not there, the engine would have exploded. So I just like how much does this guy ever have any luck? Oh. I feel like we're wasting. Like uh, I feel so bad because I'm also a Ferrari fan, and this is frustrating to watch. And I mean, like I missed the race by five minutes, and then like when I saw your <laughs> message, but it was just like, oh my gosh, like of course, Leclerc. Well, and the, the same part- spot, the same spot, sorry, interrupted the same spot as last year where he crashed. Yeah, and the frustrating part too is is that like you had a guy in P two like you know Ferrari trying to you know contend with Mercedes right for P two in the constructors championship this year right you have a guy starting in P two and Charles with uh you know Hamilton and Russell starting back P six behind the Aston Martin so good opportunity for Ferrari to make up some ground this weekend with points to like kind of you you know close in the gap for the final two races um as we go to Vegas and Abu Dhabi but. Just to see, he didn't even, he couldn't even start the race. Like, we go through the formation lap, and then all of a sudden, you see Charles kind of spin into the wall because he had no engine, right? And it was like, you got to be kidding me, right? This, I tell you what, Ferrari fans, you need to submit your therapy bills to Marinello, to the head office, and get them expensed. Because this summer is going to be, or this, this winter break is going to be a going to be a very deep dive process and now you're feeling as a ferrari fan because i haven't seen the team with this bad luck in a long time it's the second time he hasn't scored in the last three races and then add to his qual- disqualification from austin it's small it's like at least he got small consolation that he did score a few points in the sprint but like now lando norris is like caught up to him in the driver's champion uh ship so it's just it's just just adding more salt to the wound or so but then you know with that happened they did the formation lap was fine they were kind of then but you know first lap we had a massive crash right magnuson ran to the back of albon and then um both drivers were out so that got red flag piastri and ricardo got damage on their cars due to hitting debris but they had time to fix the cars in the pit lane before the restart, even though they were one lap down, which was kind of odd, right? They started due due to the crash, right? They had to start one lap down from everybody else because of the um of having to fix with the debris. So it was weird seeing like on the screen when you had um everybody was like within you know ten seconds of each other to start, and you had to see ten seconds. It's plus one lap, plus one lap. You're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's definitely really interesting to kind of see what was the the turnaround. And uh, I think one of the things that I really noticed since the red flag and kind of continue on the rest of the race uh, was, you know, we talked about Mercedes and how they've really been really making this 
this push for P2 in the constructors and even P2 in the drivers really interesting and the complete total opposite for a weekend for Mercedes. Um, like what happened? Cause you saw Lou Perez took overtook Hamilton. They were struggling on tires and then just kind of back and forth and told the wolf look literally like defeated, uh, it's like we got a question from uh, Landon Tolk in the group, a uh, good friend of ours, um, actually Western grad. Um, he said, like, what is what is like Mercedes need to do in Las Vegas? I mean, not I would say not get distracted by all the glamour around Las Vegas and all the partying that's going to be happening. But I, I also just understanding how the track's going to be. But like, how could have a weekend been so bad for them? Uh, just like so much like especially like a track they they won there before Andrew like Russell had his maiden win there uh Hamilton's won that at at in sorry Hamilton's won from uh, that track multiple times before just like a complete 180 um and I I think especially with I think Russell having to DNF his car um do some issues with it it was a missed opportunity and now has closed the gap between Ferrari and uh, Mercedes to like now 20 points. So still could be keeping it competitive where, where Ferrari probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, last year, right. They finished what P one and P two in the race, right. The double podium. And then uh, George also won the sprint race the day before. Uh, I really think it has to do with getting the setup right in FP one. You only have one free practice session to really get the setup, right. Otherwise you're in part for You can't change the car. So yeah. Uh, I just don't think they got the setup right this week. And you could tell how visibly frustrated Hamilton was over the radio. Um, you can see the just the absolute dejection in Toto's face. You know, George having like to, to retire after 57 laps due to an oil temperature issue. Like it was just a horrible weekend for Mercedes. But what they do very well is they bounce back. Yeah, and expect them to bounce back like with the traditional qualifying format. None more of this sprint format bullshit that we're so tired of watching. We're gonna have, uh, you know, they'll have, we'll have three free practice sessions at a new track in Vegas to get it sorted out. Um, which, side note, I saw the funniest meme today about the Vegas race. Um, you know the flying pig from The Simpsons or the pig from The yeah. Simpsons. Basically, someone flipped the pig upside down and said, "That's what it, that's what the new track in Las Vegas looks like." Are you serious? Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and I looked at it. I'm like, I can't stop looking at it because it looks exactly like that pig. Um, but nevertheless, I think it was just a poor weekend in terms of getting set up, and they got overtaken quite a bit. Um, I think Aston Martin got the setup correct, but for Mercedes, I think the silver, like a silver lining though for them, is that they know they have a very fast engine, right? Look, like they got beat by two of their engine competitors, like two of their competitors with the same engine, and McLaren, Lando finishing P2, and then um, Aston Martin, you know, Alonso finishing P3, and Stroll finishing P5. I think that they know that they have a fast engine, which is good, but they need to get the setup right in order to maximize everything out of the engine plus aerodynamics, right? So it's just, I don't think the setup was correct that weekend, and that's kind of have to move on from there if you're a Mercedes fan. And, and and I think if you're a Mercedes fan, you're even more frustrating because you both saw like even Ferrari, not uh, not so much Carlos Sainz, uh, but like both the Alfa Romeos had to like DNF and that's a Ferrari engine. So like if there are struggles again, even when we talked about, I think it was last year where a number of the cars that had Ferrari engines that like just kaboot 
throughout the races. It's just like, it's going to make it a little tight towards the end of the season for uh, P2. Plus, you're, overseas, you're kind of pissed because with 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 uh, Leclerc going out, you had a prime opportunity to like just try and put P2 to bed. Yeah. Right. And you kind of let the door open still for Ferrari. I know it has to, there's got a lot that's got to go right for Ferrari to make up about 20 points in the next two races, but it's, it's a very manageable opportunity. I, I think one more DNF from either uh, whether if it's Mercedes or Ferrari, and that just really just shows that they're uh, well, that will determine who gets P2, I think with two races left in the season. Yeah, I agree. One more DNF or it's gone. Like that's that's just thing, um, but I think uh, so. Let's kind of talk about this. Uh, also, we ca- we did try to talk about Sergio Perez earlier, but and talk about that battle to the final lap. And this is kind of what we wanted for a while. Just nail biter to the end for P three in the P three in the race for uh, podium. That was some of that's probably some of the best racing that we've seen in a very long time. Like that kind of goes up there with. Fernando and Hamilton battling in Hungary in 2021 um, when Fernando made that Alpine about as wide as the track of the Hungara <laughs> ring and, and Hamilton couldn't go around him. But it's, you know, Alonso is just so, he's so race crafty, right? And what I, what I really appreciate is what Prez said after the race. He says, like, that's how the racing should be. He said 95% of the other guys, we would be crashing at one point. But, you know, two skilled veterans in their craft just duking it out and they were just it was like a heavyweight tilt right man like for alonzo would he even said himself alonzo would put himself in other different racing lines to try and confuse checo and you know make checo think about how to potentially overtake him and you know for the majority of the half the race alonzo perez was stuck behind alonzo even with drs and then i think it was like lap 70 uh perez is over to take him with then Alonzo overtaking him in the next lap, and then just an absolute battle to the line that saw Fernando nip it by 0. 0.053 seconds. Just unbelievable racecraft. And honestly, probably one of the best things to watch of the day because it became a two-horse race at the start with uh, Max and Lando. Credit to Lando. He was doing Max's lap time so consistently at the beginning there and for the majority of the race, for the first part of that race, but just kind of tapered off um, because Max is Max, right? And he's just so consistent, right? An absolute machine. Um, but uh, it was just incredible battling to watch for P3 and P4. And even in the midfield too, there were some great battles throughout the day. So it was fun to watch. Uh, and honestly, if it could race that, if it could race that Interlagos every weekend, I would have no problem with it. Yeah. And I think just the fan uh, fans out there and just the, just the history of that track and just, I, I think clearly uh, seeing those kind of last couple of laps kind of play out was really good. Um, and as, as, as always, Max Verstappen won the race eight seconds ahead of Lando Norris clay. Yeah. He breaks another record um, held uh claim the highest percentage of race wins per season record was from, from <laughs> per season uh, record was from 1952 season. He achieved his 19th podium of the season, breaking his own record from 2021. And I don't know if you know this, he overtook Alan Pross's total race wins by reaching 52, his 52nd win with one way from time, four-time ch- uh, champ, my idol, Sebastian Vettel. Um, so 
it's very, uh, well, it was, he very well could break his record too over the next two weeks. Even though that he thinks uh, Vegas is a little t- all spec speculative. Uh, spec- I don't know what I'm saying here. Uh, is all light. It's, 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 not it's basically going to be a show then rather than a race. It's going to be Monaco in the U.S. Under the Monaco under the lights. How about that? I was going to say Monaco in the des- desert, but yeah, let's go with Monaco under the lights. So I think let's just, is there anything else uh, particularly uh, that we kind of want to talk about Brazil so we can just kind of jump into the week, the weeks leading up to uh, uh, double uh, points for Yuki in terms of the sprint and uh, the race. So good race weekend overall for him, I thought. And then Alpine got double points too, P7 and P10. So um, I think it's a good weekend for those kind of midfield teams. They're, you know, I think that solidified themselves into P6, obviously. But um, Alonso has got to worry about Norris creeping up behind him in the World Drivers Championship because he is now three points ahead only of uh, Lando Norris in that regards. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely interesting. I, I, I don't know if Hamilton will catch Perez anymore. I think that is, um, we've that with with Perez's win or fourth place position now but yeah now you have hamilton at 226 alonzo at 198 norris at 195 science at 192 and ferrari at uh, leclerc at 170 um yeah it's curious to see how the last couple of weeks will go i mean i said that ferrari yeah. was going to win constructors this week uh this year you lose. Anyway, i was wrong so uh the reason why i kind of wanted to talk about las vegas uh particularly our friends at the Dirty Side of the Track uh, podcast, uh, Brian and Rob, spoke about some news leading up to Las Vegas, uh, particularly how hotel prices are dropping substantially. I don't know if you've really kind of been following this, uh, but I posted an article in, in, I'll maybe post it in the chat, but basically when prices surged, there was panic booking from fans um in that hotels were like compl- fully booked in instance and but now ever since the first announcement prices have been declining recently whereas like for example a night at circus circus when the first initial rates were going was going for 649 dollars a night and i don't know about you andrew circus circus is not worth uh 649 dollars a night no. now they're charging 111 per night uh, the average the average decrease of all across all 22 hotels was analyzed 59% drop. Um, and Aria, Aria Hotel, still one of the most expensive ones on Vegas, have their rates held and are still charging the same what they did one year ago. I mean, I was still finding rooms for like $250 to $300 a night, which is kind of typical of Vegas on a weekend. Um I mean, but I the, the, I think the catch is, is is still tickets are still available, but they're still pretty expensive. Um, I did find tickets for like $1,200 for the weekend. Uh, normally, I think if you go to like Montreal, you're paying like 500 bucks maybe for the whole weekend. But uh, I, uh, the, I can just tell you the public opposition within Vegas and a lot of Vegas YouTubers Oof. are furious with this weekend. Like and Clark, the, Clark County held like a council meeting. And they were just livid about the construction and all the scaffolding that's taking away the aesthetic appeal of the strip. But I'm like, as a public official, you have to understand this is what's going to happen when you bring a race to when you bring a race to the city, you know. And it's, yeah. it's going to be a short term pain for like a long term game because the tourism dollars, as you can clearly see, 
is going to be substantial, um, you know, for your local, you know, for this particular weekend. But I, I agree. Max Verstappen made a comment earlier this week about how they're more worried about the show than the actual race. And that's very true. Like, why are they racing in Vegas only to race, like, pretty much to drive down the strip at night when it's all lit up? Like, that's what we're only here for. Well, did you even see, like, the opening ceremonies? Will I Am, Keith Urban, Steve Aoki, Tiesto. Yeah, the like Blue Man group, Cirque du Soleil will be there. Yeah. Oh, I, I should have mentioned, uh, yeah, the tickets are still relatively expensive. $2,500 for a three-day grandstand. I think I saw for one ticket, I think that was was the $1,200, but... Yeah, I, 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 it's been, it's gonna be really interesting to see. And like, if any of our fans that are going to the Las Vegas Grand Prix, please tell us how it is. I think one of our, our friends that we met at the Trinity Common uh, said she is going. So, love to hear what people's perspectives are uh, going into it. Now, I want to like just, I want to take a moment. I laughed at, I saw a video this week. It was a, I think it was a TikTok around in Las Vegas. <clears throat> Liberty Media are going above and beyond to. Um, penalize people who don't pay for a ticket to not be able to view the race at all pretty much yeah so basically um any bridgeway that's over the track there on the strip and that's got glass that you can see across the street has now have this has this film on it so you can't see through spacing so you can't see the track fully um while walking through and i was just like are you serious you gotta go through all this length to um it was Jacob Orth. Yeah, this is all this length just to not see <laughs> like a race and like make seconds of a race at that point. I just think it's you, there's a way to do it. You close off the, you 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 close off those those overpasses during the race. You don't have to worry about it. But like just it's just a pettiness level that they're going yeah. to when they're just charging absorbent amount of money. They're going to make anyways through celebrity appearances, and people are still going to buy tickets for that race. I just think it's quite a it's um it's it's a level of pettiness that only Liberty Media, Liberty Media can aspire to. Yeah, and uh, I can definitely definitely know. I just like it's just so crazy just to think of just some of these rates for these hotels. Mind you, I've looked at I don't know uh, I I've looked at Montreal and they're still pretty relatively expensive uh, for rooms for the Canadian Grand Prix for next year. But just seeing the price drop. Uh, uh, the Bellagio dropped five percent. Caesar's Palace dropped fifty six percent. Circus Circus eighty six eighty three percent. The Excalibur dropped sixty nine percent. Flamingo seventy eight percent. The Rio seventy nine percent. Like it just like it just wild like a night yeah. Planet Hollywood it was eleven uh twelve hundred dollars per night on November seventh twenty twenty two. On November 6, 2023, they're now only charging 341 a night for the weekend. And they're going to have to get this. I think there was also talks, too, that the racetrack might not be potentially ready in time, where it's going to be very, <laughs> it's going to come down right to the wire, right? And they got nine days to get it done. Yeah. Because that's when oh, the they... first, first practice is going to be also crazy time. It's going to be 1130 Eastern. Standard time is when pre-practice qualifying is going to be three in the morning on November 18th because they have to do it after a certain time. Um, so I think I, I just <laughs> realized Andrew, there. if even if we try to do a bar night, I don't think we'll be able to go because liquor laws stop serving at two. <laughs> yeah, like you could get hammered and then go home while you're eating your drunk food, watch qualifying for an hour. Here you go. <laughs> 
Uh, I just found, I just actually found a room at the Rio hotel for Thursday, Thursday night, uh, 24 bucks, 71, including with the resort fees for just one night. King bed. Not bad. <laughs> Can't say that as it for every weekend, but yeah. So I, I think we'll give a little, I think we'll, maybe we'll do an episode next week, just talking about some of the things leading into. I think there's going to be some more like drama coming into this next, these next week for yeah. the Grand Prix. And then. Also, maybe some potential silly season information. Who knows? Yeah, I, 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 I'm curious to see how just some of the things play out. But I, I think we we covered a lot this week's episode. So, uh, season three, episode twenty nine. Uh, we're coming towards the end. We only got a couple races left, and we have to do our formies. Uh, so mm-hmm. stay tuned. Like the season's not over yet for us completely, but I mean. I'll get to see you on Saturday. We're going to be at the Laurier football game at Western on Saturday, seeing some fans there. I, I mean, there's still opportunities to see us, uh, but yeah, I think just continue to follow us on social media channels. Um, and I think we're, we're, I think 667 followers on Instagram. So that'd be nice to hit 700 before the end of the month. So keep up that support. Um, but yeah, I think that that will wrap up this week's episode of the F1 podcast. I'm Richie and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Andrew Cleary. Andrew, going to see you in a couple of days. I said that like four times this episode, kind of fired up to see it. So (laughs) I will let you do the honors to send us off. Everyone, thank you very much for listening to Season 3, Episode 29. 29 episodes, Richie. We're almost at the 30 mark uh, for this season. (laughs) Yes, please follow us on now TikTok, um, Instagram, and then all for our F1 content, as well as follow us on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. You get all your podcast content. We will see you maybe next, probably next week um, for a little preview of the Las Vegas Grand Prix. We're probably going to see your more drama prior to the start of the race, but going to be quite the spectacle for these final two races. And maybe we can see if Max Verstappen can tie Sebastian Vettel's record under the lights in the desert. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.